I love those, uh, the words we just sang tonight, that, uh, that Jesus is beautiful. And uh, my prayer, even tonight, as we look at the Word, uh, as we allow the Lord to speak to us through the Word, um, is that we would just see Jesus as beautiful. It's the heart of someone who is a true follower of Christ, that their greatest treasure Uh, The thing that they find most valuable, the thing that they find most beautiful is not a thing, it's a person, it's the person of of Jesus. And so if you're here tonight uh, and you don't know Jesus, uh, and maybe you're just visiting or something like that, we're still so glad that you're here. And uh, my prayer is as we open up the Word tonight that you would would meet Him tonight. So John chapter 9, that's where we're going to be. We're going to go a little bit quicker than normal tonight. Uh, we have a leaders meeting for summer outreach tonight that starts at nine. And because of that, I want to give us plenty of time in our groups. And so we need to be out in our groups by like 8.30. It's eight o'clock right now, all right? So the goal is after the message, after singing, after announcements, it'll only be 8.30 and we'll get a solid 30 minutes in groups. So with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and read John chapter nine. So John chapter nine, we'll start in verse one. So this is he, he being Jesus, as Jesus was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi or teacher, who sinned? Was it this man or was it parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This has come about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said these things, he spit on the ground. He made some mud from the saliva. And then he spread the mud on this man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he left and washed, and this blind man, he came back seeing. His neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar said, isn't this the one who used to sit begging? Some said he's the one. Others were saying no, but he just looks like him. He kept saying, I am the one. So they asked him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and spread it on my eyes and he told me, go to Salome and wash. So when I went and washed, I received my sight. Where is he? Where's Jesus? They asked. I don't know, he said. They brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees. That day Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was a Sabbath. Then the Pharisees asked him again how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, he told them. I washed and I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. They considered Jesus spitting in the ground and making mud with the dirt and putting on this man's eyes. They considered it work, the Pharisees did. But others were saying, how can a sinful man perform such signs? And then there was a division among the people. Again, they asked the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He's a prophet, he said. The Jews did not believe this about him, that he was blind and received sight until they summoned this man's parents. They asked him, verse 19, is this your son, the one you say was born blind? How then does he now see? We know this is our son, and we know that he was born blind, his parents answered, but we don't know how he sees, and we don't know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews, since the Jews had already agreed that anyone confessed Jesus as the Messiah, that they would be banned from the synagogue. 
This is why his parents said, ask him, he's of age. Verse 24, so a second time they summoned this man who had been blind and they told him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner, talking about Jesus. He answered, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open up your eyes? I already told you, he said, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? They ridiculed him. You're that man's disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. And we know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he's from. This is an amazing thing, the man told him. You don't know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. And if this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. You were born entirely in sin, they replied, and you are trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out, and when he found him, he asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He asks Jesus, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Verse 37, Jesus answered, You have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see and that those who do see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and asked him, we aren't blind too, are we? If you were blind, Jesus told them, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. Before we go to our groups tonight, there's two takeaways I want us to take out of this passage. The first point tonight is this, number one. God sovereignly and individually created each of us for his glory. God sovereignly and individually intentionally created each of us for his glory. If you are here tonight, if you are a human being, you have been created intentionally by God for the glory of God. Look back in verse 2. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. See, we see here that the disciples, they asked Jesus, who sinned caused this man to be born blind? They said, did this man sin and that's why he was born blind? Or did his parents sin and that's why he was born blind? And this reflects a common misconception of their day. It's something that uh, the religious leaders would have taught. And what they would have taught was that infirmity or sickness was always directly connected to sin. Now, we know in light of all of Scripture um, that infirmity and sickness and pain and suffering and all those things it is connected to sin, uh, but not in the way that they thought. So we know that sin uh, had entered the world through the fall, and with sin came death and suffering and de- disease and all those things. But they thought that any instance of suffering or any instance of disease or any instance of sickness was directly connected to that person. So that means that that person or someone close to them, namely here the parents, had sinned. But whenever they ask Jesus this question, Jesus denies that this is the case. But he doesn't just deny it. He also explains why this man was born blind. He gives the reason. And he says this, this came about this being his infirmity, his blindness, this came about. The reason this has happened, it's intentional. There's a reason. So that God's works might be displayed in him. 
In other words, this man's blindness, his handicap, his shortcoming, it was not an accident. It was part of God's intentional design when God created him. And the reason God intentionally designed him that way is so that God could display his glory through this man's broken life, specifically in this case, by healing him. We see here that God does not do things or allow things by accident. He is completely in control. He is infinitely wise and thoughtful. He's detailed. He's intentional. And he chooses to do the things the way that he does, even though we may not always understand why he chooses to do them that way for his own glory. And that includes the way that he has chosen to create this man and the way that he has chosen to create each of us in here today, including our infirmities and our setbacks and everything else. See, we may not have been born blind. Some of us do have disabilities, though. All of us probably have things about ourselves that we wish we could change. So often when we think about want God, us wanting God to use us, we'll put these roadblockers in the way. We'll say, well, if God had given me this ability the man, I could really just be used by him, that I could really make something of my life for his glory. Man, if God had given me this kind of personality, if he had been given me the, the ability to just naturally really connect with people and win people over, then maybe then I could be used. Man, if God had given me uh, not a fear of people so that I could just get up and speak so easily, man, maybe then I could be used. Man, if only I didn't have this thing about me, if I only didn't have this issue, if I only didn't have this awkwardness, this inhibition, then maybe I could be used. But what we see here is that God made each of us exactly as he wanted. And the way that he made each of us, flaws and setbacks and all, is to maximize our usefulness for his glory. That's why Paul says this in second, or 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I love these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says this, Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective. He's saying God has called you to be in Christ. He's like, but you guys are not the smartest bunch, but that's okay. He says not many were wise from a human perspective. He's saying not many were powerful. Maybe you don't have position. Maybe you don't have the title. He says not many of noble birth. Maybe you came from a broken home. Maybe you're ashamed of who your relatives are. He says, though, instead, God hasn't chosen those people. He says, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something. Why? Verse 29, so that no one may boast in his presence. Because it's from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, he's our sanctification, he's our redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If you look at yourself and you look at your life and you feel like you don't have anything to offer, if you feel like you're going to get picked last for, for God's team of people he's going to want to use, then the good news is that you are the perfect candidate for God to use. Because when we have nothing to bring to the table, then God is able to use us in a way for his own glory where people look at it and they say there's no way that the power was in him. 
There's no way that ability was in her. No, that could have only been God. And we see here, he has intentionally designed us the way he has. And even our flaws, even our setbacks, even the things we wish were different about ourselves, they are to be used for his glory. Second takeaway for tonight is this, number two. God sovereignly and individually saved each of us who are in Christ for his glory. God sovereignly and individually and intentionally saved each of us in Christ for his glory. Down at verse 39. It says, Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see and that those who do see will become blind. So some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and they asked him, well, aren't we, we aren't blind too, are we? And he says, if you were blind, Jesus told them, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. There's a lot going on here and we could spend an hour tonight probably just walking through these couple of verses. But what we see from Jesus' conversation with the Pharisees at the end of this chapter is that this whole account in John chapter 9 This whole miracle with the man where he is physically blind and he has his physical eyes open to physically see Jesus, we see here by the end of the chapter that that is only on the surface of what John is really getting at when he writes. It's only the surface of what Jesus is actually talking about here. In reality, this account is about something much deeper, something much more universal than God simply healing physical blindness. What he's talking about here with the Pharisees is spiritual blindness. We see that's what this passage is primarily about. The Pharisees in their sin, and specifically here as he mentions, in their self-righteousness, they were spiritually blind. They could not see Jesus for who he truly was as Savior, as Messiah, as Lord, as Master, as Beautiful. And it's the same for each person. Until God opens our eyes, as Jesus opened this man's eyes, we are unable to see him for who he truly is, but the good news is God has come, and through his spirit, he opens our eyes so that we can see him and love him. This is what the rest of scripture, the rest of the New Testament teaches, that we are all dead in our sin. We're unable to save ourselves, we can never work our way into God's favor, We're completely unable to pursue God without God coming and giving us the ability to. That's why Romans 3, 10 through 12 says this. There's no one who's righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. Meaning we can't comprehend the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel, unless God helps us to do so. There is no one who seeks God. Meaning we will never seek after God in our own flesh, in our own strength. It's only through God enabling us to. Verse 12, all have turned away, all alike have become worthless, and there is no one who does what is good, not even one. Even our righteousness before we are saved is filthy rags before the Lord. See, without God opening our eyes so that we could see him in all of his beauty and glory and goodness and holiness, we would never have placed our faith in him and been saved. But in the same way that God gave this man physical sight, God gave us spiritual sight. 
In our next couple of minutes, our last couple of minutes, I want to look at some verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I love this chapter, and as I was studying this passage in John chapter 9, it reminded me of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 because you see such parallels between the two. So there's a couple graphics that'll, uh, there's a graphic that'll be on the screen to help explain that, but think, about, think again about what's happening here in our passage with the blind man in John 9. It'll be the left column on this graphic. Yeah, right there. Okay, so Jesus saw this man in his blind and helpless condition, right? Look back in verse one. It says, as he was passing by Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. So this man, he's blind. He's an outcast of society since he is blind. People think that he is a sinner. And so he's in a blind and helpless condition. And Jesus passes by and he sees this man in his condition. Then what happens? Jesus caused this man to see, verses six through seven. So he takes the mud, puts it on his eyes, tells him to go wash it off, and then the man can see. And then it says in verse 37 that this man physically saw Jesus. If you look back in verse 37, uh, it says, verse 36, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And then Jesus answered, You have seen him. And so Jesus says, You're looking at him right now. And the reason this man is able to see Jesus when he's having this conversation about salvation with Jesus is because Jesus was the one who opened his eyes. And then we see the response of this man. This man responded to seeing Jesus in faith and worship, which is verse 38. He says, I believe, Lord, so that's faith. And then it says, and he worshiped him and worship. Now, I want us to look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, and we're going to see some very interesting parallels here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, start reading in verse 1. It says this, therefore, since we have this ministry, because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. Instead, we have renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the word of God, but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. And then verse 3, Paul says this, but if our gospel is veiled, in other words, if the gospel is hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, those who are not saved, those who the gospel is hidden from, the God of this age, Satan, he has blinded, not the physical eyes, but he has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Why? To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so we see here, in the same way that this man was physically blind, every person on earth in their sin, and because the God of this world has blinded them, is spiritually blind. And they are spiritually blind, and because of that, they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So we see that first parallel there in that uh, right column. It should come up in just one moment. There we go. And then continue reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Sorry, I know we're going back and forth on the, on the screen. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, then in verse 5, he says, For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but we're proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. And ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And then look at verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Look at that. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. What's, what's the reference to there? Genesis. Genesis, right. Genesis 1. It's creation. In the beginning, it was darkness. And God said... Let there be light. And what does it say? And there was light. 
God in his power, by the power of his word, he spoke, let there be light, and there was light. And what Paul is saying here is that in the same way that at creation, where God spoke and it happened, so with our salvation, God spoke and it happened. And this light is not the physical light at creation, no. It says it is, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. So God spoke and he gave us as his children the knowledge to be able to see Jesus for who he truly is. To be able to understand, to be able to love and have passion for God's glory. And so we see here that God, he is the one who caused us to see Jesus through who, for who he truly is. Now, keep reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, now in verse 7. Now, we have this treasure in clay jars, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us, similar to what we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 there. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase for the glory of God. So what is he saying there? He's saying we were blinded, God spoke, And we were able to see Jesus for who he truly is. And then what all is verses 7 through 15. He's saying now we pour out our lives in sacrifice so that others may know this truth. And then in verse 12 he says we have this same spirit of faith. So we see the parallel. What's the response? We respond to seeing Jesus in faith and in worship. And so we see this picture of the blind man here. It's not just about physical blindness, even though Jesus did heal this man from physical blindness. No, it's about something much deeper. It's about a blindness in our minds and our hearts. But praise God. He has caused the light to shine in our hearts. He has opened up our eyes so that we may trust in him, so that we may find joy and life in him, and so that we may see him as truly beautiful. It's the difference between an unsaved friend who doesn't understand why you would go to church, doesn't understand why you would worship Jesus, doesn't understand why you would forsake an old way of life to follow something because they don't understand that the something that you're following is better. But God in his grace has allowed us to see the light. Now here's the thing, you may be here tonight and you may not be a follower of Jesus. And it could be that even tonight as we're talking about God giving us new hearts, God removing blindness, the veil from our eyes so that we can see the beauty and the glory of Christ, you may say, I've never really seen that before. But tonight, God is showing me that Jesus is worth it. God is showing me that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says we were made for perfect fellowship and communion with God. God is holy and he is perfect And he is just and he does all things right. And we were made to be in a loving, perfect relationship with our creator. But the problem is we're not like God. We've sinned. 
we've fallen short. We've said no to God's way, and we've all tried to go after our own way, which only leads in death and destruction. And because we've sinned, it creates a necessary gap between a perfect God and us as imperfect, sinful people. But the good news is that God has been intentional, like we saw. He has chosen not to leave us separated from Him, but He has chosen to send Jesus, God in human flesh, to earth and to bear the sins of the world upon his body on the cross and to die the death that we should have died for our sin and to be raised and to have new life so that all who place their faith, their dependence upon Jesus, who follow after Jesus, may have eternal life. And if you're here tonight and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I would plead with you tonight, turn from your sin, turn from your self-dependence, place your faith in Christ because he is worth it. He is the only thing that will truly satisfy. He is beauty in its purest form. And live a life, like we saw up there, a response of worship and faith. Not because you did anything in yourself, but because God has sent Jesus to save you. We're going to go ahead and pray and then we're going to sing and then we'll close with a couple of announcements Father not one of us deserved salvation Lord every single one of us we've all rebelled against you we've all tried to go our own way and Lord the only thing that we deserve is condemnation because of our sin But Lord, you took upon yourself what we deserved, the thing that you did not deserve. You took our condemnation for us. And in exchange, you gave us your righteousness. Even as we heard with JV tonight, when he was running so far from you, as fast as he possibly could, Lord, you took him and you opened his eyes to show him that there is something more beautiful. There is a better way. There is a way that leads to life, and it's not through following after this world, it's not through trying to be good and religious and immoral enough and moral enough to appease you. No, Lord, it's through faith in Jesus, through casting our trust and dependence upon him and following him that we experience true life. Lord, we thank you for saving us. And Lord, if there's anyone in here tonight who does not know what it means to have true satisfaction, to have true life, who's been running after all the wrong things for so long and they are sick and tired, Lord, show them tonight that you are better. May they repent of their sin, turn from their self-dependence, and follow after you by faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name.